Well, we are in a series called what? Okay, we're in a series called what? There we go, atmosphere. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Genesis chapter number 22nd. Genesis 22. We're talking about atmosphere this morning, and each person, each one of us, has a part in setting atmosphere. We set atmosphere around us. We set atmosphere uh, for others, and uh, we we have we play a part in that. Amen. Atmosphere has a lot to do with our attitude. It has a lot to do with our mood, and it affects our environment. And so it can be our attitude. It can be what we say to each other. It can be how we approach, not just that we tell each other the truth, but how we say it has a lot to do with setting the atmosphere, doesn't it? Atmosphere is a word that describes a mood. It describes an environment. Atmosphere is a word that describes your demeanor. It describes a place or a situation. And your mood, your attitude, your conversation can affect the atmosphere around you. Now, I want to tell you that atmosphere is something that we all have every moment of our life. But I want to talk specifically this morning about the atmosphere that we bring and we set in our worship services. In our worship services. And I want to talk today about the atmosphere of worship. It is not the sole job of the pastor or the praise team or the worship team or the elders because they had a great prayer this morning or the ushers or the greeters to solely set the atmosphere. When there is a problem with the atmosphere in the church, the problem usually is you. Well, me too, but mostly you. No, just kidding. It's it's all of us. It's all of us. It's not just pastor, elders, whoever. It's all of us that set the atmosphere in the church. You know, we have different jobs and different titles and different functions that we do in the church, whether we're a children's worker, a youth leader, a usher, or praise team member, whatever it may be, we all have different functions, or maybe we just come and enjoy the worship in the presence of the Lord as part of the congregation, but it's up to each of us to set the atmosphere. Now, there are several things that set the atmosphere in a morning service, or a Wednesday service, or whatever service we may have. The first one is prayer, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. Prayer should be something that is just second nature to us. And we come in in the morning, and I know we're, we're, we're in a bit of a culture change a little bit here. In case you haven't heard, we're praying a little bit more in the sanctuary before service starts. That doesn't mean that there's not a time for fellowship. We have, uh, you know, we have a, a missions cafe out there that we can fellowship and talk and do all of those things. But what we're trying to do is set the what? atmosphere. We're trying to set the atmosphere. What are we trying to set the atmosphere for? Our desired atmosphere is one that is conducive for a move of the Spirit of God. Come on. Our atmosphere is conducive for that it is attractive to the lost. 
preparing for the hurt to be healed and encouraging the gifts of the spirit to flow. That's what we want our atmosphere to be. And a great way to do that is to pray. Pray before you come to church. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Always have the Lord on your mind. What would God do here? What does he want me to do? Speak to him. Prayer is an important aspect of setting our atmosphere. Another thing that's important and it's very and vitally important, sometimes we don't understand it, that sets our atmosphere is the atmosphere of unity, the spirit of unity. Spirit of unity is vitally important. Because conversely, if we have the spirit of division, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it will destroy the atmosphere that is conducive for the Lord to move. It will absolutely destroy it. And so we, we want to have the spirit of unity and not the spirit of dissension or the spirit of non-unity. Now, another thing along that path that will absolutely help us set the atmosphere that is conducive for the Spirit of God to move is for us to praise the Lord. It's for us to praise the Lord. God commanded it. David said it several times in the Psalms. Many prophets over thousands of years have commanded us to praise the Lord. And then what we're going to talk about today is setting the atmosphere of worship. How do you know that we have the desired atmosphere? Well, you'll see the presence of God, the Holy Spirit moving. You'll see transformation in lives like we saw this morning with all the young people. You'll see an open heavens, river flowing, and you'll see the power of God moving even in our morning service. You'll see those things when we have the proper atmosphere. But just one of those things can really quench the Spirit of God if we don't line up. If if we don't have a prayer life, how will we know what God wants us to do? If we don't have a prayer life, then all we'll do is come in and have traditional service and go home. And it won't mean anything. Won't mean anything to God and it won't mean anything to you other than I can check a check mark off that I went to church on Sunday morning. That's all it will mean. And so if we don't pray, if we, uh, if we don't have a spirit of unity, come on. Even Abraham Lincoln said, a nation divided against itself will what? He was just quoting Jesus. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, can it? A church divided against itself cannot stand. And so we have to have that atmosphere of unity. If we don't praise the Lord, there's a scripture, and many of you know it well, that says, we don't praise him, what's going to happen? The rocks will cry out. Somebody's going to praise the Lord. It might as well be you. Listen, there are so many things. I, I, look, I look in the mirror at this, and, but I get so tired sometimes of seeing us self-included, as Christians, living a life where we're defeated. We have our head hanging low because of circumstances. Maybe a sickness tries to come upon us. And, and, we, and those circumstances cause us to have our heads hanging low. Well, we try all kinds of things. Of course, we go to the doctor, as we should, to see what we can do about it. You know, we try talking to others, try to get counsel, and we don't realize that the greatest key that we can ever have is a spirit of worship. The spirit of worship 
Listen to me. Praise and worship is not just something that we do and God loves to hear it, as he does. But do you know what praise and worship actually is? It is actually the greatest weapon that we could ever have. The spirit of praise and worship. Because if we can come into the presence of God and worship him, he has every answer that we need. He has the answer to all our financial problems. He has the answer to all of our relationship problems. He has the answer to all of our health problems. He has the answer to our deliverance, our bad habits. Come on, addictions. He has the answer to all of those things. And we look for him in so many other places, not knowing that if we would just worship the Lord, we would be healed. If we would just worship him. And so it's a great tool. It is a great weapon for us to have. We fight not against what? Flesh and blood. But against powers and principalities. Come on. And I wanted that in high places. And I want to tell you something this morning. Though we should take medication if it's needed. You know, it helps us. God made it. Luke was a doctor. All right, I'm not against that. But I want to tell you something. The the medication you take cannot fight the enemy. It will help your body. It will help your body. I'm talking about being healed and fighting the enemy. Come on. I'm talking about having a hedge about you like Job had about him before God removed it. Where nothing could touch him. The devil walked to and fro throughout the whole earth looking to see who he could devour. And he couldn't touch Job. Couldn't touch him because God had a hedge. That's the kind of a hedge we need about us. And you know where the key is for that hedge? In our worship. It is simply in our praise and our worship. So then what is worship? Well, look here in Genesis chapter 22. Verses 4 and 5, the Bible says this, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, with the lad, and I will go yonder and do what? He said, I'll go yonder and do what? Worship, and we will come back to you. Do you know what Abraham was going to do? That's right. He was going to kill his son, and more importantly, he was going to be obedient to God. That's what he was doing. He was doing what God told him to do. And so obedience to God is part of our worship, whereas it should be every part of our life. But now we're talking about worship in our morning services, in our Wednesday services. What then brings the presence of God? What brings the atmosphere of worship? That's what we want to get to. Well, what are we talking about? Here's what worship does for us when we worship the Lord together as a congregation. Here's what it does. Worship creates an atmosphere where God then moves in, come on, and with his presence and his power, drawing people in to be touched, healed, forgiven, and sealed by the Spirit. It, it opens up a conduit for God to just move in. Come on. Worship is an opportunity for man, human, to invite God's power and presence to move among those who are worshiping him. Now, listen, 
I, I've heard the saying that, you know, God, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and, uh, you know, he won't do anything that you don't ask him to do. And to a certain extent, I believe that, you know, God often uh, waits for us. You know, it's on us, right, to, to uh, open up the lines for God to come in. I just want to remind you as a side note that that's not always the case. And if you don't believe me, talk to Jonah. Come on. Talk to Noah. Oh, there are times when God's going to get accomplished what he wants to get accomplished. And if you don't line up with it, well, you'll either get run over or you'll get thrown out of the way. Come on. So there are times when God does it. But for the most part, God waits on us to worship. He has done all of his work. He worked for six days. And what work he did. Come on. And now he's in his seventh day. He's in the rest. He's already healed us. He did that work on the cross. He's already forgiven us of our sins. He's already given us peace that passes all understanding when he did his work on the cross. Now it's up up to us to now walk into that thing. And when we don't worship the Lord, listen, we're going into a battle with no weapons. Can you imagine that? Going into a battle with great warriors against great warriors that have swords and guns and tanks. And you just go. That's what we do as Christians, by the way. It is exactly what we do. And you go in there, you know, you barehanded, you don't have anything. And you just expect thing, the people just to fall down. You are going to get slaughtered. You're going to get killed if you go into battle like that. Can you imagine if our army went into battle, they didn't have any helmets on, no vests. They just had on a, you know, Jimmy Buffett t-shirt. Come on. Some shorts, flip-flops. Walked in there, said, hey, man, what's going on? Can we not win this thing? Well, you know, that's what we do as Christians when we don't worship. You realize that? That's how we go into battle with our flip-flops on. And no armor, nothing to protect us. We don't have the shield of faith. Some of us don't have the helmet of salvation on. Maybe we might even be saved, but we sure don't act like it. Come on, we don't have that helmet on. We don't have peace shod around our feet like the Lord talks about. We go right into battle and get destroyed. Why? Because we don't, we don't take our weapon in. We don't worship the Lord. This is the one I like the most. Worship is the right response to the presence of God. A personal and biblical response. Let me tell you something. God is always speaking. He's always talking. He's always wooing us. Even when you feel like you don't hear the Lord talking to you, he's talking to you. He's wooing you in. He's calling you to worship. Worship really is a response to the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. We can't drum up worship. We can't come in and say, okay, today we're just going to worship so much that God's just got... You're not going to manipulate God into doing anything. The truth of the matter is he's already doing it. We just have to get into his presence. And what gets us there is worship. It's the correct and right response to the presence of God. It is the right response. Listen to some worship atmosphere scriptures. In fact, why don't you go to some scriptures with me? Go to Psalm 95. Look at Psalm 95. And there's tons of scriptures that talk about worship. But in Psalm 95, verse number, just one verse, verse number six. If you have it, say, I have it. All right, some have it, some don't. But it says, oh, come. 
Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, the thing about this scripture, let us come before the Lord. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It is as much about your attitude as it is about the physical act of kneeling and bowing down. What it speaks to is an attitude of the heart. What it speaks to is a people that come into the presence of the Lord and say, God, without you, I am not worthy to be in your presence. Without you, I am but a worm, like Jacob said. I am nothing. I am but dust. But when I am in the presence of the Lord, oh, now I am the head and not the tail. I am above and never again beneath. I am more than a conqueror when I am in the presence of the Lord. Because I recognize you for who you are. I come into your presence and I bow down. I come into your presence and I kneel before you recognizing who you are. Because with man it is impossible. But with God and in God's presence all things are possible. And there is nothing left out of all. Healing of cancer is possible in the presence of God. If you owe $1,427,613.27, God can take care of it. He can make a way in his presence. Come on. If you have someone in your life that you haven't talked to for 47 years and they said, last time you talked to them, they said they hate your guts and they hope you rot in hell, God can fix that when you come into his presence. Some people shake their heads and say, yeah, well, you know, that's, I got a cousin, you know. <laughs> but God can do it in his presence look at another scripture go back to Psalm 29 if you have your word or if you have your device you might get there quicker you might just swipe over go over to Psalm 29 some of you have the whole Bible memorized so you can just spout it out I'm still working on that I'm working through this year. So far, I've been good. I've been, I've been reading, doing a plan, you know, where I read the whole Bible in one year, Brother Scott. I'm trying. I don't know, but it's 30 days I've made it so far, Sister Patty. I don't know. We'll see. Keep the faith. Brother Scott said, keep the faith. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I will do that. All right. Psalm 29, verse 2. Listen to this. Give unto the Lord the glory Do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Give the Lord the glory, do his name. Here's what we have to understand about worship, folks. Is that we do praise the Lord and we do worship the Lord because he is good and he does mighty works and he does mighty acts and he delivers us and he heals us and he gets us up out of that miry clay, out of that terrible pit. He sets our feet upon solid ground and he establishes our goings. He restores our relationships. He does all of those things. But all of those things are a secondary reason to worship. The primary reason that we worship the Lord is because he's due the glory that we need to give his name he's just worthy of it he's God all by himself he's self-sustaining he doesn't need counsel he is just simply God whether you believe in him or not he's still God if there was 90% of the world that were atheists he's still God doesn't matter 
Doesn't matter what you believe or what you think, God is God. He's the almighty God. And so we need to give him the glory that's due his name simply because he's God. Just because he's God. Now I'm talking about, everybody's, you know, we, we, we listen to sermons and we talk about breakthrough and this is your time of breakthrough and so many, so many songs, I don't want to get off on it, but so many songs that we listen to sometimes today focus on ourselves. And, and you know what? It's, it's good to be encouraged. You know, Sister Lois, sometimes we need some. I'm not coming against that. We do need some songs where we encourage each other. This is your season. This is your time and all of those things. But I just personally believe we need some more songs that just simply glorify God. Come on. Jesus is worthy. There is a name I love to hear. Come on. We need some more songs that just talk about the name of Jesus. Because here's what we're missing. All of that breakthrough that you're talking about, all of those doors that you're going to kick in, come in worship. They don't come by your might going, I'm going to go up against that door. Doesn't work that way. Didn't work that way for Joshua and the Israelites. It was simply obedience, Brother Chris, just like you said. Walk around the walls. Seven times, seven days, seven times around, shout. Don't make no sense at all. Shout. These are bricks. This is brick and mortar. Shout. Guess what happened? Walls came down, didn't they? Worship. Now I want you to go, let's go back to Psalms, verse, uh, Psalms chapter 5. Look at Psalms chapter 5. Stay right there. Another scripture on worship. There's a lot of them in there. But just one verse, one verse, this is a psalm of David, and he says this. This is a declaration we need to make. Verse 7, Psalms 5. David said, but as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear or reverence of you, I will what? Worship Toward your holy temple. I will worship toward your holy temple. Now let's see how good you are. Go back to Chronicles. Go to First Chronicles for me. That's just back a few books. First Chronicles chapter 16. These are all important verses. Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 29. This is actually a song of thanksgiving. Verse 29 says, give the Lord the glory due his name. We just talked about that. But look at what else it says. Look at what it says. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Bring an offering and come before him. Now, when you first hear that, bring an offering, you think we're just talking about bring something, bring some money, bring some food, bring something before the Lord. And that is true. You can bring all of those things. But listen, we just talked about something last week that's paramount that you can bring as an offering. You can bring the offering of the sacrifice of praise. I don't mean just words from your lips saying, Lord, you are good. Because if praise and worship is not in your heart, come on then they're just words. But God said, bring an offering unto me when you come into my house. In other words, let your heart be right. 
bring a sacrifice unto me. You see, when we come into worship services, we can be distracted by so many things, can't we? And we all are. You know, maybe we had a hard week. Maybe somebody, you know, got sick during the week. Maybe some, somebody, someone talked about us during the week. Maybe something happened on our job, whatever it may be. And then when we come in here, now you have a choice when you come before the Lord gathered together. It is true that we bring the presence of God. We bring God with us. But what God wants to do is manifest himself. Do you understand the difference in the omnipresence of God that we bring in and the manifest presence of God where miracles happen in his presence? That's what we want. God is everywhere at all times. We know that. But we want the manifest presence of God. We want at the end of our worship service to say like Jacob, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. We don't want there to be a doubt that God's presence is in this place. And so we must go before him and worship him. We must bring an offering of the sacrifice of praise unto God. Give him the glory, do his name. Come on, somebody. He's worthy of it. Worship does all those things for us. Why do we worship? Why do it? Not just to get something from God. But there's several reasons. Number one, it's biblical. Worship is absolutely biblical. This book here is our book of instructions that we have to follow. What does the scripture say about worship? Right? It's biblical. The next thing that worship is, it's demonstrative. People know that you're worshiping. Now, people worship in a lot of different ways. It involves expression. It involves such things sometimes as kneeling. Kneeling can be a form of worship. Clapping, lifting of the hands, shouting, singing. Or maybe you just have your eyes closed in the presence of the Lord. All of those are correct ways to worship the Lord. As long as it's done from your heart. Because a person could do all those things in a worship service. They could clap, jump, skip, kneel, shake side to side. Do whatever kind of dance there is before the Lord. And if their heart is not right before him, they just wasted a lot of energy. Well, maybe they got a little exercise, Sister Clarissa. Maybe, you know, they got a little exercise. But that's all they did. And there another person could come before the Lord. Their heart is before him, heart towards God. And they do just one of those things. And it's absolutely what God wants. Worship should be demonstrative. Come on. Worship is also sincere. This is what we're talking about. It is with the heart and it is focused on God. The most important, if you don't get anything else from this message today, is to understand that worship is focused on God. That's what, that is where worship is. It is focused on him. It's not focused on our need. Come on. It's not focused on our problems. It's not focused on our circumstances. Worship is focused on him. And when we do that, we are sincere. Worship is participative. Now, I was told that that was not really a word, but what I'm trying to say is that worship is, a, is, is not just a spectator activity. Worship is something that we all have to join in to do. Come on. When you see the praise team and the worship team up here singing, then, you know, participate. 
where, whatever it is. Maybe you feel like if you sing, you'll run some people out. Well, that's okay. Clap a little bit. You know, give one of these every once in a while. Participate in the worship. If nothing else, smile. Nothing like somebody in worship service. I don't know. Are you dead? Are you, do we need to call 911, Sister Sharon? I mean, I don't know what's going on. I mean, are you happy to be here? What happened? Somebody put something in your Wheaties this morning? I don't know what's going on. Got a sour face. I mean, listen, God is good. And, and it's difficult sometimes when we go through something. I realize that. I'm not saying that. It's not hard sometimes. But we have a choice to make when we come in. Choose to serve God. Choose to worship God. And you want to talk about breakthrough. He will do it if we just worship him. Worship should also be for God and for God alone. Nothing else. It is God. We worship him. Our desire is to please him. Worship should be alive. It's what we just talked about. Worship should be exciting. It's not a, just a Gregorian chant. I know there are people who do that, and that's okay. I mean, you know, if that's what they want to do. But to me, worship is alive. Oh, come on. I, I remember a time in the Bible where the presence of the Lord, remember the presence of the Lord, well, it, was, it was symbolically in the Ark of the Covenant, right? You remember that? And so it was in the Ark of the Covenant, and then what happened was the Israelites went and got it back from the Philistines because things kept happening. You know, Philistines had the presence of the Lord and their God would fall on his face and break, you know, the idol there and all this kind of stuff would happen. And so finally they said, look, take this thing back. And so they went and got it, you know, and, uh, you know, there was a guy there who didn't do what the Lord told him to do and God killed him and all of that. And then he brought it back and they put it in the house of Obed-Edom. Remember that? And the Bible says Obed-Edom's house was blessed. And then David became king and he heard about this. He said, where is the ark? Where is, the, where, is the, where is that covenant, the ark of the covenant? They said, well, it's in Obed-Edom's house. And he's been holding it. He's been keeping it there because we didn't know what to do with it. David said, well, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back where it belongs. So Obed-Edom said, that's great. About time. So they went and got it. And they, as they were bringing it back, every few steps, David would stop. You know that story. And he would start dancing. And then so much so till he danced his robe off, had on an ephod, danced it off. And Michael, looking at him through the window, said, look at that. That's a shame. Everybody's looking at you. You out there naked, got your skivvies on, dancing. I'm ashamed of you. Well, God said, look, David is dancing unto me. And then David said, look, woman. This you may call undignified, but I'll be even more undignified than this. This is nothing. I'm happy about the presence of the Lord. God struck her barren. Some of us have the spirit of Michael. I'm just going to tell you. Maybe nobody in here, but there's some Christians. Come on. They have the spirit of Michael. We look around at others and say that's just undignified because they praise the Lord. They sing those songs. This leads me to my next point. Worship is also contemporary. Now, that just doesn't mean we don't sing hymns. That's not what I'm talking about. 
But I mean, God's methods change. We have the ability to keep the hymns and also sing new music. Now, first of all, worship is not music. We know that. It's a part of it, though. God created it. Come on, the cymbal and the harp sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's part of worship. Music is not worship. It's part of it, though. But listen, if you are, you know, a person who grew up on hymns like I did, I was in the church, that's all we sang. You know, maybe we sang showers of blessings. You know, maybe every once in a while we throw in a little Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. All right. But uh, mostly it was blessed assurance. Come on, somebody. It was, uh, you know, I, I was in the garden alone. Come on. You remember that song? It was some of those growing up. All right. I, oh, how I love Jesus. How he loves you and me. Come on. It was all those songs growing up. And so some of us who grew up on that have a hard time sometimes with, you know, some of the new contemporary stuff. But guess what? God's methods can change. It's all right to bring in some. Now, the things that are theologically correct, come on now. All right. So I'm talking about. But those things, we can have some worship courses. And so we have to reach across and do that. But I'll also say some of these, some of these folks who sing some of these new songs and say, I'm never going to sing any of those hymns because that's just old stuff and they're outdated. They don't understand where some of that stuff came from. They don't understand how that was birthed out of the very spirit of God. It was birthed out of folks going through some things and God delivering them, God speaking to them. And so what am I saying? I'm saying we can do like this. We have both. And that makes it contemporary. Worship is contemporary. We can't leave any of it out, long as it's theologically correct, long as it's biblical, is what I'm trying to say. And then worship is responsive. We respond to the Lord. So who is a worshiper? Well, a worshiper is a believer, a person who has accepted Christ. Because really, if you have not accepted Christ, it's very difficult for you to worship. You want to know why? Because worship is really a response to the Holy Spirit. Okay? And if you don't have that renewed spirit in you, then it's difficult. God can talk to you to save you now. But I mean, if you don't have his name, if you haven't been baptized, come on. You don't have, his, you don't have the circumcision of the heart. So it takes a believer to truly worship God. A worshiper is a follower of God, a disciple. Now, I'm not talking about clicking like, clicking follow and now you're a new friend to me i'm talking about following i'm talking about getting in this thing and seeing what god wants you to do i'm talking about deny yourself take up your cross and follow me come on that's what i'm talking about the follower of christ a worshiper is a lover of god a lover of god now have you ever seen two lovers walking along not holding hands, sourpuss face, don't hardly talk to each other. What you want to eat? Uh, what kind of relationship is that? Well, what kind of relationship do some of us have with the Lord? Come on. Never talk to him. Never tell him we love him. Never listen to see what he might be saying to us. Never pray. Never read his word. Come on. That's the kind of relationship we'll have if we do those things. But a true worshiper is a lover of God, a person who places their affections, passions, and emotions 
upon God. They unashamedly pour out their love to God. Listen to Mark 12, 30. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, and all of your strength, everything that you have. And then he says, this is the first commandment. You never go anywhere else. You're not going to second grade unless you get this down. Come on. We can't talk about breakthrough and highly praised and highly favored and all that stuff unless you get this down. Love the Lord your God. A worshiper is a wholehearted responder. I respond to him with my whole heart. A worshiper is not one that says, okay, I'll do that. That I don't know about. This I can do. That I'll leave that to someone else. No, a worshiper is whatever God tells you, that's what you do. A wholehearted responder. Psalms 111.1 says, praise the Lord, I will praise you with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright in the congregation. I don't hide my praise towards you. I don't hide my worship. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. The worship service, listen, it is convened for one reason and one reason only, and that is to serve God with our praise and to serve people's needs with what? His sufficiency. That's what the worship service is for. Worship atmosphere does a lot of things for us. I'll finish with this. It gives us an opportunity for recovery. Recovery. You might say, well, what is that? Well, listen. The spirit of discouragement, spirit of depression, heaviness, failure, despair, all of those spirits cannot live in the presence of the Lord. They will not last in the presence of the Lord. It's like denying a plant sunlight. Come on. They will not survive. And so if all of those things are heavy upon you, or anything else, whether it be a sickness, a disease, whether it be an attitude, a habit that no one knows about, whatever it may be, if you would come into the presence of the Lord, He has the ability to help you recover from all of those things and get you back to where you need to be. Psalm 30, verse 11, You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth. And you have clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing your praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Forever I will thank you and I will love you. The presence of the Lord in a worship atmosphere also brings victory for us. We overcome. Victory is the accomplishment of the defeat of the enemy. Now I'm not just talking about appeal to sustain us. We need that sometimes. We need to be sustained so we can get our strength, get rid of this thing. But if you want true victory, come into his presence and begin to worship him. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, the Bible says, triumphing over them in it. Worship, spirit of worship, the atmosphere of worship brings healing to us. It brings healing, not only to our physical bodies, but it brings healing to our soul. It being, brings healing to our very spirit, the very core of us. It'll heal us. It'll heal offenses. Come on. It will heal us if you would just worship the Lord. And lastly, love. 
The spirit of worship will cause us to love one another. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God will cause us to love one another. Do you want to know why? Because God is love. God is love. God doesn't just love, but he is love. Listen to Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? Shall persecution? What about famine? Nakedness? What about peril? What about the sword? None of those things will separate us from Christ. And Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are not a conqueror this morning. You are more than a conqueror. And you would know that if you would come into his presence and worship him. Come into his presence and worship him. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning.